What the hell is the name of this book? Is this Wayne's World? The award-winning Evan Grant? I can't even count anymore on my fingers and toes. Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, clown number one. Barry Horn. Right. He tried to get me in mid-chew. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another podcast of Ballsy. I am Kevin Sherrington. That is Evan Grant laughing at the way I say ballsy. Well, it, because it's edgy, because it has the Z. The Z. Instead oh, of yeah, yeah we're, we're really edgy. And Barry Horn. Say hi, Barry. Hi, Barry. And joining us today, one of our favorite coaches, uh, R.C. Slocum, the legendary coach at Texas A&M. Coach, how are we doing today? Good morning. Great day in College Station. Yeah, it's always a great it's day. It's always in a great day. In there, you, there you go. That's right. There you go. Now, RC, as a, as we were discussing a little bit earlier, just between the two of us, uh, they they named some new people to the college football playoff committee. I made a public pitch for you to be included in that. They they clearly ignored me. I guess they're still mad at me about the stuff I complained about uh, in 2014 when uh, TCU and Baylor didn't get in. So the, I think they're they're holding a grudge. Uh, <laughs> well. I, I'm fine. It, you know, it's something that uh, I was asked uh, uh, by many if I would if I would do it, and I would have been happy to do it. But I can see uh, where they they selected the AD at Texas Tech, and that, that Kirby gives some, yeah, it gives some representation to the state of Texas. I think that's what most people were were clamoring for was to have someone from this region that understands uh, the Big Twelve Conference and the state of Texas, and just. I think the the committee's best served when there is geographical representation, and we have that, so I'm I'm fine with it. Now, Art Brow said he wanted somebody on there who could understand fixing too. So well, <laughs> that that makes sense. You know, we we do talk a little differently, and uh, I think it's helpful the more football people that they can that they can put on there. You know, and uh, I think people can be. Uh, very smart people. Uh, you could take some of our coaches, I think, are pretty bright. But if you'd start talking to them about how to fix a heart, I don't know if they'd do so well. You know? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm, not, so, I'm not entrusting any of you guys to do that. Our well, state- like, likewise, you know, you figure that people that, that have made their living uh, and spent their lives co- playing and coaching football would be better equipped to evaluate football teams, you know. And, but anyway. Well, that's what we believe. Now, uh, with that in mind, no, Kevin, you believe that sports writers. No, I do not. I could not believe. Not, and I love Steve Weberg. He's an old friend of mine, but I cannot believe that Steve. Everybody Weberg, is an old friend of yours. <laughs> yeah, point, is right. on that committee. But anyway, well, what uh, about Condoleezza Rice? Condoleezza, well, Condi, I'm well, not sure that she's uh, she's. How and let me say it? this: the committee, as it was composed last year, I thought did a pretty good job. They got it right. We had a, we had a great Final Four there, and I, I don't have any. Any criticism? So these uh, were your about, four schools. These are the four teams you had. Yeah, in? no, I think they did it great. I thought uh, I, I don't know any. I mean, you had you'll always have some questions. You know, Stanford was a good team, obviously, and there were a couple of others that you could make some argument. But I, I think all things considered, they they got it right. You, as long as you've got five a power five conferences and a four team playoff, there's going to be some kind of controversy. RC, do you think we should go to eight eight teams? Well, I don't think – I think if you had eight, you would have the same deal. There would be someone that, that – there would always be one team that, uh, as you expand the criteria, somebody would get left out. I think we're getting close to uh, saturation with football, and I think we're getting close to the point with these kids – you know, they have to stay around all summer now and work out, and then they start football early, 
and they go all the way through the fall semester, and then if you're in the playoffs, then you next thing you know, you're into. I heard somewhere I think where the Alabama kid, the kids in the final game, they had to turn around, and go right back to school. You know, they didn't even get a break. You know, so at some point, I think we've probably extended that for for amateurs, for college football players. We probably got them about as much as they need on their plates right now. If you go to eight teams, you got to eliminate the conference championship games and play that first round uh, right after the season, don't you? You can't you can't push it uh, that's, that far back. That's what I would say. I, I wouldn't argue with that format if, and I think that's a huge if, if we ever got to the point where they say, okay, let's let's do away with the conference championship games. Let's play the first on that weekend, that first weekend in December. Let's play playoff games around the country. Use the major bowls as a, as the sites, or even go so far as seeding the teams, uh, having you know having hosted uh, home games. Yeah. yeah, and play you know let the higher seeded teams play at home or whatever. You know, there's a lot of things you could do if you. But I think that's way down the road. I, I think the, the conference championship games are, are well entrenched, and I think they're good for those leagues. I can't imagine the SEC giving up that conference championship game. I mean, that that's down the road. See, <laughs> to me, a 16 playoff is the one that makes the most sense, even though you're giving up an, an extra game or so in there in the playoff format. Six? You, did you say six? Six, yeah. You get yeah. You, you end up with, with some buys, but you end yeah. up with the five power conference champions and then a room for a Notre Dame or an at-large team, or in the case of like you had – whether you want to take Michigan State and Iowa this year or, or Ohio State, you've got room for one wild card team. Now, it's still going to have, it's People still going to provide screaming. the. The screaming will be. The screaming will still be just as loud. Oh. And, and TV would never go for it because it, you're, you're wasting an opportunity to have one extra game there. Yeah, I don't think you'll eliminate the. the, the... <laughs> The screaming, I, I'm happy we have what we have now. And I can remember going back years ago, being on a Nike trip, and we had a business meeting, and they said, let's just see a show of hands. How many here, and this are all, these are all coaches, active coaches, how many of you would be in favor of some form of playoff? And it was about 50-50 at that time. As time went on over the last several years prior to the playoff, I'd go speak around the country at various events, football quarterback clubs and things like that. And I always just out of curiosity say, how many of you here, without knowing the exact format, would be in favor of some form of a college playoff? It was almost unanimous by the fans. You know, so this is something that the fans have wanted for a long time and, and you know, I, th- I think it's created a lot of interest in college football. And let's face facts. I mean, last year and this year, the championship game, which is which is all we hope for at the end of the season, uh, you couldn't have you 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 could not have planned it out any better. Uh, you you no, ended up the with game the best this teams. year. The game was an awesome game. You know? Yeah, it was great. Clemson game. really played well, and Alabama made some big plays. Uh, it would have been you know, Clemson was a very deserving to be there. And, uh, you know, knowing football, uh, if they had played the next week, that game could have gone just the opposite. I, th- I think Clemson so. surprised a lot of people. Did they surprise you? They didn't surprise me because they're a physical team that can play defense. <laughs> That's, you know, when I saw them throughout the year, they were not some uh, spread kind of a, you know, a, a, a trickery kind of team. They were a hard-nosed football team. You know, that quarterback is a great player. 
and they played tough, hard-nosed defense, so I, I felt like they'd be able to line up and play with anybody, and, and they proved that they could. I think that uh, the Cowboys are picking fourth. Of course, they may be picking fourth next year as well, for all we know. Oh. But if uh, I tell you, Sean Watson, now I, I think he is going to be a terrific pro quarterback. He, he looks like a better version of Marcus Mariota to me. Well, if you watched the game yesterday, Carolina, you can see what a quarterback like that can do in a ball game. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where they create a lot of problems. You know, a mobile quarterback, uh, you know, he doesn't have to do it many times in a game, but just the threat of having a guy that can run around like that can do so many things. You know, and uh, it just—it's a whole—it adds a whole dimension to the to offensive football if you've got a guy that's a threat to run the football. See, and and that's one of the things that bothers me, RC. When people say, "All right, look what happened to uh, RG3," you know, mobile quarterback, and he got killed at Washington, and it, it may have ruined his career. And, and I think the, the point I make about that is is that I'm not asking a guy, as you said, to run a whole lot. I'm not asking a guy to be taking on any defenders. What I'm asking him to do is get around, move around a little bit, run out of bounds, uh, slide into a, a, a tackle. Because uh, to me, it, what would you rather have a guy do, running uh, away from somebody and running out of bounds or standing there in the pocket and taking a blindside hit? Uh, you know, I think that's far more damaging to a quarterback than when he's running and he just gets out of bounds. Yeah, coaches talk about a, a guy that has the ability to, to extend the play. So you're there sooner or later during the course of the game, your right tackle misses a misses a play. Guy beats him. So all of a sudden the guy's turned loose back there, and you look for the guy that has mobility enough that even though a normal guy would be sacked, he avo- avoids that rush and gets the ball off and makes a first down instead of having to punch the football. If you can do that a time or two in a ball, you're not asking a guy to be the running back and carry the ball ever down. But just a guy that has enough mobility and then the threat that every once in a while, like one time here yesterday, you know, they had the rush and they were trying to cover and do, and all of a sudden he runs up there and, uh, you know, well, makes the first down. And, uh, you know, that's. Since you've established you watched the games yesterday, how did number 58 on the uh, Denver Broncos look, look to you? Well, he would have been great on the wrecking crew. That's what I can say. <laughs> oh, you didn't need anybody else on that yeah, wrecking crew. Yeah, shoot. He was, he was, that's what you're looking for, man. He jumps off that ball, and he has a great dip with his shoulder and just a natural move to the quarterback. He, he is really a great player. I did not think that Von Miller was going to be this good in the pros. I thought he'd be a good player, but I didn't think he'd be this good. I watched him here. You know, I'd went out several times and, and watched him in like one-on-one, you know, offense against defense pass drills. And they, they couldn't touch him here. I mean, you could see those the offensive linemen hated to go against him because he, he'd just run around them. You know, they wouldn't even touch him. And there were several times they didn't touch him yesterday. R.C., we, I, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't get into a little bit of, of just A&M talk here. And wanted to get your feel on, on what the atmosphere is like down in, in College Station right now regarding the football program. With the new athletic director. Well, I think it's good. You know, the new AD, uh, I don't Scott think he's really – I don't think he's really uh, shown up yet. I think he's been in and out and he's moving here. I think maybe February the 1st is what I've heard he's going to be here. But uh, I've heard good things about him. Uh, people have met him, have been impressed with him. Uh, I, I think the atmosphere is good here. We last year, I thought we made great strides on defense, and we're not we're not there yet because we we don't have the talent we need to be there yet. But uh, we we made I thought great improvement on defense, 
and uh, Kevin's making some changes, has made some changes to try to try to get a little different direction in the offense, and uh, uh, I think that's been well received. Sounds like the recruiting is going well. We'll find out for sure here soon. But uh, so I'm I'm very positive about where we're going and and our ability to get there. Uh, I think the SEC has been a good thing for us. Uh, our 12th man uh, supporters have stepped up and, and provided great facilities, which uh, are helping our recruiting. And so I think, uh, you know, we're in a, we're in a really tough league and in, in the toughest division of that league. So, you know, we've got a little work to go to, to, to com- you know, to be a legitimate competitor in that league, you know. RC, uh, when you talk about shoring up now, you've got a, you've got a great uh, defensive end there uh, in Miles Garrett. It, it, do you do you feel like that the the biggest improvement needs to come at linebacker? I, I've felt for several years we've been short at linebacker. We've had some hard luck. We've had some guys get hurt that that you know would have been good players for us. But that, that's the one area as I look at it that we've got to get better. You you have you guys have not talked in several years about A&M having a big-time linebacker. No. You know, if you look at preseason all-conference list and things like that, we just don't have guys on there that everybody's talking about. They're talking about, you know, obviously our defensive end right now. And that's we got to get a guy like that or guys like that at linebacker. You you always had great uh, linebackers. I would say that they might have been the focal point of your defense most of the time, were they not? Well, you can't be good without – linebackers tie together – they're involved both in your run front and in your secondary coverage. So to be good, they're the kind of two-way guys. You know, you got linemen up front fighting and fighting the battle, rushing the pass and stopping the run. you got secondary guys covering. But the linebackers have to be able to do a little both of that. You have to be able to play, You know, if you're going to play man coverage, it, you don't have it four DBs back here, so somebody else is going to have to cover someone. And you watched the pro game yesterday, those linebackers trying to, cover those guys if you're ever going blitz uh, you've got to have some guys that are athlete enough to cover and if you're going blitz they better have speed enough to get back there you know so there was a lot of of publicity that came out when John Chavis was hired away from LSU to run the defense you just talked about the fact that you think that there was some improvement this year have you had much interaction with John did you know him before he came there I've known him for a long time and I have Real high regard for him. I, when we hired him, I, I said we'll be better on defense. I've watched him. He's he's uh, proven uh, at Tennessee and at LSU. I mean, anyone that's followed him at all, he he's had very good defenses, and uh, I, I thought I saw just an immediate improvement when he came here. I think we play harder now, and uh, I. I I, I feel very good about. It. I give him a pass on whatever shortcomings we had this year. I don't. It's not. It's not John Chavis's fault. Hey, RC, you mentioned you mentioned the SEC move, and and I think a few years after the fact. Now we look back immediately after A and M went to the SEC and and had some some immediate success. There was a very public kind of call that that hey, this was the right move that that this is exactly where A&M needs to be and, and that it's going to establish a different identity. Is there any – has that changed at all, given the fact that, that it is such a tough division and that the, the success has not been um, extended long term? I don't think it's changed. I think it's more at the time we did it, uh, it, it was not a unanimous choice by, by our fan base. 
to, to say the least. Uh, I was 100% for it, and uh, going back to the early 90s, which was trying to get it done when the Southwest Conference was breaking up, that was my direction that I wanted to go. But You were uh, kind of assigned to do that, weren't you not, uh, Yeah, I mean, we had we had meetings. The other thing, we said, you know, before the league broke up, there was just too much smoke out there, and I, we met here on campus. Uh, John David was the AD. We met with uh, Bill Mobile, who was the president, and uh, the chairman of the Board of Regents, uh, Ross Margrave, said, you know, this thing, something's going on out there, and this Southwest Conference is not going to make it, and we need to be exploring what our option be. Where, where would we have a chance to go if this thing falls apart? So at that time, we were commissioned uh, to explore what our options would be. And uh, I personally called Roy Kramer, who was SEC commissioner at that time, and asked him would he poll around his conference and see would there be any interest in A&M. And uh, he, within just a few days, he got back and said there would most definitely be interest, that there would be strong interest in us. So uh, we were kind of going, you know, that would have been our choice, or at least it would have been my choice, and I think some of the key players at A&M, that would have been our choice. Probably our fans would have been – Maybe like they were on this last time. Maybe it wasn't unanimous. There were different thoughts about uh, how you know if we could compete or whether that was a good move or not. But right now, I would say our fans have really warmed up to that. The ones who were skeptical, I'd say we'd be more in favor of it now than we were when we when we first did it. You got You got to say the Aggies, the basketball team, they're leading the SEC. Right They're now. leading the SEC. Our other sports have done very well. Our women's basketball has done very well. Our track's done very well. Our baseball. I, and I saw an article. I read an article this morning someone sent me, and it was just it was talking about the future of college football and expansion and the television contracts and all that. And it, it, uh, it made a strong case for where the SEC is, and it, it – it, uh, raised some serious questions about some of the other leagues in terms of going forward of the the, the whole uh, issue of adding schools and how much, if you add it to this thing didn't paint much of a picture for any expansion anytime soon. Did, did, did it, it paint a negative picture of the other conference in the state of Texas, Big 12? It, it did. It did because of the fact that what well, they pointed out, I mean, it was an extensive article uh, and it's, it, primarily with the television revenues and that how much it was almost like the decline too of a little bit it was really the article was about ESPN primarily and and the decline in the stock of Disney stock and ESPN and people uh, people really wanting to just pay for what they want to see on TV and not getting these big packages and everything but it was an extensive article about college football and conference uh, expansion and I think and, we had had something about so, something along those lines from Chuck Carlton this weekend, based on the fact that there will never be a Big Twelve network so long as there there exists a, a Longhorn long network. network. Well, well, that's what this article said. That yes. and the article was an extensive thing. I, I, it was sent to me by an AD uh, that uh, forwarded it on to me, and it was a, it was a really uh, well long article about the future. Yeah. And it said the issue was that there's no schools out there that can bring enough money. And it's really negative about, uh, for example, it was very negative about Oklahoma, say, go, being being attractive to the SEC or whatever because of the the 
small number of television revenue sets in, it, that they couldn't justify what they would have to pay to divide the money up. That that it wouldn't be it wouldn't make sense, and it's a shame that maybe it comes down to that, and most fans would be upset with that. But that is the reality that it's been for a long time. That's why the Southwest Conference broke up, and that's why we left uh, the Big Twelve. And you know, it, it gets down. Unfortunately, all the benefits we're providing to the athletes, the expanded facilities, all those things get back to money, and the only source out there really is is the, the television money all right uh rc we want to talk to you a little bit about a guy who's going to be coaching in his first super bowl a guy you know a little bit about gary kubiak uh he played there at texas a&m when you uh you were there as uh, i guess were you the coordinator then or were you the linebackers I was coach? well i i the whole time i was a defensive coordinator when he was here yeah he was a pretty good quarterback out of uh, st pius wasn't it st pius and he was a he was a very good quarterback, but he's an even better person. Yeah, Gary Kubiak's is finding guys' ears around. He was a, he was a, he was one of those guys I would say was mature beyond his years when he played. You know, when he was on our football team as a college player, he was always uh, a little more mature than what a lot of the kids were. And I'm sure he had had his good times, but he he was he was always a little ahead, and that prompted me when he finished playing. Uh, in the National Football League, I, I called him and said, have you thought about coaching? He said, well, I have. I said, well, I got a job for you. <laughs> and so I hired him. He worked for me for two years, and then he left and went to San Francisco with Bill Walsh, and Shanahan was offensive coordinator at that time. So Shanahan had known him and brought him out to San Francisco. They were there for one year, and then Shanahan got the Denver job and brought Gary with him to Denver. What kind of uh, uh, what kind of chance do you think that Denver has in this Super Bowl? Well, I think it's going to be a great matchup because they've got a great defense. Wade Phillips is a heck of a coach. They they are the number one defense in the NFL, and they're playing against a tremendous offense. So it should be a great game. And my my personal prejudice, <laughs> biased opinion has always been. If you match a good offense with a good defense, I feel like the defense wins. <laughs> so take that with a grain of salt because it, 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 you know, it may or may not be that way. But over the years, just watching uh, the matchups, if you got a high-powered offensive team and a good defensive team, I, I go back personal experience. We played Houston, you know, when Nick Klingler was down there, and they were and uh, Andre Ware, you know, they were averaging 800 yards a game and. 50 or 60 points, whatever it was. We played here in College Station, 17-14. We won. So, <laughs> that defense does always win. But now you have well, and I credit part of that, a big part of that too, is that our offense, like Denver's offense, was a balanced ball control. Their offense is going to be on the field a while. You know, they're they're going to run some time off the clock. So. Anyway, you, should be a great game. You you have a little experience with Wade Phillips. Tell tell everybody about that. Well, Wade Phillips uh, was a high school quarterback at Port Natchez uh, High School when Baum was the head coach at Port Natchez. He went to University of Houston, played linebacker for Melvin Robertson, who I later worked with at A&M. And Melvin was a defensive coordinator and a great coach. Wade's uh, grandparents, grandmother lived in Orange. I knew her when I was in high school. Uh, Baum was from Orange, and uh, Bum's dad was a real-to-life cowboy that 
worked for Edgar Brown down on the ranch down down in Orange, Texas, and the bomb in his house had a huge collection of spurs. Bum was a cowboy at heart himself. Bum played at Lamar Junior College and Stephen F. Austin for a guy named Ted Jeffries, who was my high school coach. And so we we go, that whole family I've known and have tremendous respect for. Bum was uh, assistant coach for Bear Bryant at Texas A&M. And uh, so we, I, I've had a lot of association and thank the world of Wade. He's a guy that's I, I was so glad that uh, he he got a lot of lot of uh, recognition in that game yesterday. People in the business have known about Wade Phillips and know how good a coach he was for a long, long time. RC, I have some bad news for you. Uh, you've been such a great guest. Kevin is now fixing to invite you back again. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> okay. That's that's how, that's how I good learned. Deal. That's yeah. how I le- that's how I learned it back in the Bronx. Fixing. Oh uh, yeah, fixing too. You're fixing to do that, man. That's that's a pretty good term for a Texas boy. I don't know how I'd ever gotten through life without having that that expression. Well, you got to say fixing too, don't you? Because you're not yeah. ready to do it. You're just yeah, about. I'm not ready, ready to do it. right now. Like. I'm fixing to get up and get something to eat here in a minute when I get through with you guys. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, you've, you've fixed our podcast. You did a great job. Thanks for being with us. All right. Good day. Y'all have a good day. Take, Take care, RC. Take care. So, so what, what, are, what a week this is. We just had R.C. Slocum. We've had Bob Sturm. We've had Dub Brocale. Uh, I think it's a pretty good week for the uh, for the old uh, ballsy podcast. Ballsy podcast. Well, it is. And I'd like to – Kevin, you brought R.C. to the show, and I really want to give you a round of applause for that. Um, He's clapping for himself. It's I, uh, no, that was our. That was Go, our, but now let's our see. Let, let's let's see. I believe, pat, now pat yourself on the back too. Hey, there we go. Thank you, Brian. I believe I brought Doug Brocale because he's with the Rangers. Yeah, you did. And you brought Bob Sturm, too. Well, but, and you know, Bob's a media guy. Yeah. And one of the three of us is a media guy. Did 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 Barry Horn respond to any of your text messages over the weekend? No, apparently his phone was not working. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Brian. Brian, we got to go. Brian's, Brian, down. Brian's got to go to lunch, I can tell. Speaking of that, where are we going to lunch today? Uh, we're going somewhere that, that Barry's not because Barry's got to spend his, he's got to be tutored today I'm, um, I'm tutored on the fine points of metrics in journalism something they didn't teach us back at northwestern 40 years ago you were working on typewriters then pal barry, yes i was uh, ibm selectrics that's correct all right and before i let you go i, I just want to tell you barry you've asked me several times how was the trip how was the trip Evan, was where'd the trip? you go tell us again we, where went, you went. we went to italy and we went to israel and what i want to say is you walk around and you see all these incredible antiquities and buildings in the but first you were the, thing, you were there you were there before they were antiquities <laughs> Barry, I was going to say that you look around and you see some of these buildings and you say, my God, they're almost as old as you. Uh, see, I, I beat, I, <laughs> you beat me to the punch. All right. We, punch. And we have gotten punchy here. We're going to head out. Uh, join us again next week. Hopefully we will have three more podcasts for maybe you. I, maybe I can find somebody to bring up. That'd be great. That'd be great, Barry.